Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. A lot of things have been going on. A sad news story to report at the beginning. Uh, we are officially past Halloween. Um, yep. You know, it's a little bit of a blues situation. Uh, now, you guys both have kids. Did you uh, have Halloween adventures? I did. It was the first year that my kid went trick-or-treating with her crew, uh, Sans' parents. And they totally mm-hmm. came back alive. I was very pleased with that outcome. Congratulations, dude. Nice. That's a big step. Thanks, buds. Yeah, mm-hmm. I donned a knight costume and roamed around with my son as he wore a Steve from Minecraft uh, outfit. It was, it was quite great. Oh, I think I saw that posted somewhere. Yeah, that Minecraft outfit was impressive, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, came in a box. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it, and it yeah. comes out as a box. <laughs> yep. Right, right. Yep. Well, it looked good. It was actually one of my favorite costumes that I saw this year. Uh, in In other news... 
Uh, we know that situations continue to deteriorate in several countries facing coups. Uh, we know that uh, the world is kind of burning down. A lot of people here in the U.S. are maybe nervous about going to see their extended family for the next holiday, Thanksgiving. And uh, the housing crisis continues. Maybe that's where our first story starts. This is a this is a very personal housing crisis. If you want to hear about the more macro level housing crisis, check out our episodes on foreign investment in housing markets. But if you want to hear one of the strangest stories that we found recently about houses, then uh, check this out. Matt, this is something that you dug up. Yes, it is. Uh, it comes from the news, strangely. You know, if you want to find out about the housing crisis, just try and get qualified to buy a house right now. Good luck to you. Good mm. Lord. Um, but this this one comes to us from Luton. Luton in Bedfordshire, United Kingdom. And um, it goes a little something like this, at least according to the headline. Luton man left shocked as his house is stolen. Now, you may ask yourself, how could one steal a house? Is it mobile? I was asking myself just that, Matthew. I was asking myself just that. Ah, no, that is not how you can steal a house. You can steal a house by impersonating someone's identity, by stealing that identity, and then uh, going through a solicitor or a real estate agent here in the States and uh, convincing them you are that person and then putting the house up for sale, selling it, and then taking the money. Ugh, that sounds scary. Wow. And uh, just to make sure everyone is aware, solicitor is not a real estate agent. That's not a one-to-one. -one. A solicitor would be like an attorney, a lawyer, or somebody like that. But here in the States, it's very often that there's an attorney and a real estate agent that work closely together when you're making a home purchase or a, uh, selling a home. Um, so that's what happened uh, to a fellow According to the BBC and an investigation that the BBC and the show You and Yours did, one of the primary journalists associated with the story is Sherry, S-H-A-R-I-V-A-H-L, Sherry Vall, and just some great reporting here. Okay, this, this man named Reverend Mike Hall was not living in Luton in his home, the home that he owned. He was living in Wales which is uh, somewhat quite quite a bit actually to the east four and a half five hours east of this area in Luton and he was notified by his neighbors that the, all the lights were on in his home and there was somebody moving about in that home and they knew that he was not currently living there so they were a bit perplexed so this Ooh. man Mike drove you know the four hours or however long it took for him to get back to his house tried to get into his front door of the home that he owns, that his name is on the, the title, you know, the property deed, and his key doesn't work on the lock. So he knocks at the door, this person lets him in, and this person says to Mike, well, I, I, hey, I'm just doing some, some building on the home. Mike notices that absolutely everything is stripped out of that house, again, that he owns. The furniture, parts of the walls, parts of the ceiling... The whole thing is being redone without his knowledge. Then, uh, you know, he, he basically calls foul, right? This is my freaking house. Get out of here. The dude who was in the house leaves only to return with some other person that explains that this home was purchased in July of, of this year, 2021. 
and they've got the uh you know they've got the paperwork for that sale and everything so mike is freaking out he then uh calls up the authorities that have the thing in the united kingdom called the land register this is the only official record of who owns what land what property is what persons right and within this land registry if your name is on a piece of property then you own that land no matter what. And if you can somehow sneak your way in and put your name onto that land registry rather than the person who actually owns it, you now own that land. Unless you can go through some very, gosh, long procedural stuff to, you know, show that fraud has occurred and change it back to your name. Let's say if you're the property owner like Mike. Well, turns out somebody had gone to essentially what it would be the DMV here in the United States but it's the uh, DVLA is what it's called there in the UK. And they had used Mike's identity, like parts of his identity and information, to get a brand new driver's license, like a replacement one that you've probably done before in your lives. Um, I've, I know I've done that before. This person was able to trick the DVLA into giving, issuing or reissuing a driver's license that had a different address that had a different signature and a couple other different things, but it had a lot of the primary information on there to prove that it was, it was Mike, even though it was not right. Then whoever, whoever did this identity theft took that license, placed a different photograph into it essentially of whoever this person was going to be that make that was impersonating Mike to make the sale and then used that successfully to make this home purchase occur. And then they took the money, 131,000 pounds, and just left. Uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. One of my first questions for you here, Matt, is do you think that the pandemic and COVID procedures made it easier to perpetrate this kind of theft? Like, was it, was it possible that he was just doing it online? and just had the right information. I can't tell you precisely that that's what happened, but I, I'm just with you. I think that's probably the case, right? Nobody's actually going in to the DVLA or you don't have to go into the DVLA to prove who you are in the same way during COVID restrictions as you would in normal times, whatever that will be in the future or what it was in the past. But uh, I, I can totally see that that step, that uh, physical step away from being in person doing some of these things would cause it to be easier. Yeah, and I'm wondering how they can now figure out who this, who the fake Mike is, who's Mike 2, you know? How do they do a, a mic check on, on these uh -huh. sorts of situations? Like, uh, is it, would they be able to use facial recognition of this person's photograph? Would they be, I, I don't know, because I went to, uh, while we were talking, I, just for curiosity's sake, I hopped on to gov.uk uh, and I was looking at the process of renewing a license, which it appears mm -hmm. you can do online in its entirety. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And one of the reasons they know kind of, well, I mean, you're talking about facial recognition. They've got a picture of somebody, whoever that, you know, somebody who was a part of it, right? Somebody who pretended to be Mike in one situation or another where documents were changed hands or something, right? And that ID was needed because the, the, a copy of that ID is with the BBC folks who did the investigation as well as 
I guess this, I don't know, I don't know who it is because it's not the police. This is not a criminal offense in the same way you'd imagine a lot of other crimes like this maybe should be. This is considered a civil thing, I guess, in in Bedfordshire. Uh, So they can't like press charges in the same way against this person to then, you know, have the law enforcement do facial recognition to track this person down. But they, they do have voice. They do have the voice of somebody who was a part of this team, perhaps, or maybe it's the same person. They've got a voice recording from the solicitor, the attorney, with whom this person worked to sell the house. And there's two two recordings of it where you can hear this person's voice clearly. And again, BBC, you and yours, that's the program, They've you can go there and listen to it. Uh, it's bbc.co.uk slash sounds, and you can find it there. So are you saying that that uh, what would typically be considered evidence of a crime is like somehow inadmissible in this situation that they can't run vocal recognition to uh, tie this to a person's identity? Well, I mean, it just, I'm just saying it wouldn't, it's not a police investigation, at least according to what the BBC is saying. And Mike, according Mm -hmm. to Mike, he went to the police and tried to, you know, write up a, a report like a crime report. Right. But they said, no, this is not a crime. This is a civil offense. We can't do anything about it. But you can, you know, go down all these other routes. So I'm just imagining it'd be more difficult to like get those resources to do. I don't know, run oh, sure. vocal recognition, facial recognition, all that stuff. Let me add a bit of karma in here if we haven't mentioned it before. And if you are the thief and you're listening to the show, you know, first off, thanks for tuning in. You know, don't agree with your choices, but give us a review. And uh, here's the thing. This guy is a vicar. So you're stealing from a religious figure as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Um. And just a terrible situation to be in if you, you know, own a property. And that's a lot of money, especially who knows how much you've got invested into it, how much maybe your mortgage was worth or how much equity you had. It's just a terrible situation to have it completely taken out from under you. And it seems like you don't have much you can do about it. Um, And plus, you know, what if the people who purchased that property were completely innocent? Just there was some... Uh, a fraudster is what the BBC refers to them as some fraudster sold it to you. And now what you've got to give the property back and then try and get your money back somehow. Right. Not a great How situation. Do you kick people out. They did everything right on their end. Yeah. They just didn't know that there was a fake mic in the mix. You know, exactly. There was a fake mic. Um, okay. So last thing we're going to just mention here, if you are in the UK, First, listen to that that BBC, uh, I guess, I think it's a podcast or maybe just a radio program. Listen to that. Get some of the details for yourself. You can read in the BBC uh, the story itself. And then check on maybe your situation, your, your identity situation. Because the DVLA alerted the real Mike that someone tried to reissue his driver's license. DVLA again, like the DMV here in the US. And Mike said, No, I haven't had my license reissued. The DVLA then says, Oh, okay, well, we'll rescind this new one that we just issued. Uh, No problem. But I guess they didn't do it in time or they didn't do it effectively enough. And this person was able to impersonate Mike still. If you're in the US, you can go to a bunch of different places. I found a great article on Quicken Loans, which, you know, it's not a plug for them, but they've got a great article that shows 
what you can do to kind of protect yourself if you're a property owner of any kind against this kind of abuse, I guess. Yeah, and Matt, I'm wondering, um, from from what I was reading, it looks like this case is, of course, a bummer, but it's also maybe not necessarily unique. Mike is not alone here in the UK. The You can look on that BBC article and actually find out that there was, what, 3.5 million pounds worth of compensation due to fraud uh, that the land registry, registry paid out over the last year. So, I mean, if you think this is 131,000 pounds, if you multiply that out, I mean, that's not a ton of land registry fraud in this way, but it's enough. And if you jump to the U.S. and you think about it and, you know, any other country, but specifically in the U.S., according to that Quicken Loans article, the FBI says that 9,600 victims lost over $56 million dollars in 2017 due to real estate and rental fraud. So this this is a real problem. It's just, it depends on when you catch it, uh, like when you catch that the problem is occurring, right? Because mm-hmm. if it gets too far along in the process, then it's very difficult to at least get money back. So stay alert, folks. That's right. Stay alert. We are going to jump to a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. 
This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. Um, this story is definitely a bit of a bummer, um, but it is kind of an escalation of uh, the type of some, some types of stories that we've covered over the years. The idea that uh, a lot of Asian countries have very, very tight gun laws, so they don't have mass shootings in the way that we do here in the United States, which is obviously a very, very good thing. Um, unfortunately, that does not mean there aren't uh, mass attacks uh, that take place often in public settings like uh, schools or um, train stations. Um, recently, we talked about a story out of Singapore where a lot of concerned parents were understandably upset about some creepy clowns that were hanging out outside of schools. Um, it turned out they were just passing out flyers or trying to hit these kids to this like special learning academy to like, you know, do test practices or test prep or whatever uh and that particular company rightfully got an earful on the internet um today unfortunately we have the reason that things like that would be uh, of concern to to parents um a young man a 24 year old in japan uh, in tokyo um dressed up as the joker particularly the uh I guess it was kind of a combination of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker and the Heath Ledger Joker wearing kind of a purple suit and a green shirt um, went on a stabbing rampage um, on a train on the way to Shinjuku, which is a very, very busy train station um, mm -hmm. in Tokyo. It was the uh, Kaio line, K-E-I-O. Um, he had a knife and he apparently just went uh, wild slashing and stabbing at people while also dousing the train cars in lighter fluid um, and according to some reports set a few small fires. There were 17 people that were injured in the attack, uh, some that were cut, uh, one man that was stabbed in the chest. Um, and some others that were injured by smoke inhalation, if you can imagine setting a fire in a closed system like one of those moving subway cars would be bad news uh, if it was you know enough. Um, you could definitely get some nasty smoke inhalation from that. Um, the chilling part about this is that the young man named uh, Kyota Hattori, um, after he finished his spree, he just sat in the train car with his legs crossed, smoking a cigarette. Uh, and there's video of people screaming and running in fear and panic. Uh, and then there is one quick shot 
it's like something out of a found footage horror film um, of this guy just sitting by himself smoking a cigarette wearing this Joker outfit. Um, and he apparently, according to what he told police, um, admired the Joker as a character, you know, the, the clown prince of crime. He was known for sowing havoc and just kind of being an agent of chaos. Um, and he was hoping that he would get the death penalty. He specifically said that he wanted the death penalty, and he was very disappointed that he didn't actually kill anybody. He didn't manage to kill anybody. Um, so while this is horrific, uh, these types of lone wolf attacks in other countries, specifically our country, typically you're not going to walk away from that without some fatalities because these folks are using you know, military-grade weapons that are you know, semi-automatic or fully automatic weapons. In this situation, it's one man with a with a you know a blade, a stabbing implement. Um, so yeah, there has to be some precision involved, as opposed to just kind of you know just spraying a train car with bullets, where you're probably going to have a huge number of fatalities. So the fact that no one was killed uh, is obviously a, a huge blessing, um, but it is very very troubling. the um, The man was described by folks who knew him in the same way as, as folks like this are often described as, as not having very many friends as being very quiet, someone who they would never think would take any initiative um, is, is a quote that was uh, printed in a Japanese publication called Kyoto news. Um, there's an English language version of that story. Um, and it's just, you know, it's the same kind of thing we hear in, in the States of these lone wolf attackers that, you know, were, oh, they seemed so innocuous and, and uh, unthreatening. Um, but this this man apparently had been thinking about killing for a long time. Um, he said that he had been having trouble with work. He had lost his job, likely due to some of these antisocial issues. Uh, and he had also, you know, he just vaguely kind of referred to the collapse of his relationships. Um, but you can definitely see video of this. There's stills of like a fire in a, in a, a, a train car further down and smoke kind of flooding in. So these were not just small fires. You can actually see in the doorway that, that connects the two train cars, an absolute blaze. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really the, the gist of it. Um, this is one of a handful of these types of attacks. There was an acid attack, uh, on a train station also in Tokyo. Um, there was another attack earlier in October, October 15th, where two men were stabbed by a man at a JR Uino station. Um, and also in late August, there was a man who sprayed sulfuric acid in the face of another man. So, you know, while the gun laws are obviously keeping these attacks from, claiming so many lives, these particularly grisly and up close and personal types of attacks are truly troubling. Um, I don't know, guys. I mean, I, we're not here to psychoanalyze the population of Japan or anything like that, but uh, I, I think it's no different than any other city or any other culture, maybe, and just the fact that the laws are different uh, sort of leads to the types of attacks that we're seeing. But also, they aren't nearly as uh, common as, you know, gun attacks here in the United States. Right. Yeah, and there are, there are a couple of uh, things we should take note of here. Uh, his reasons, at least from when I was reading Japanese news on this, his reasons um, seem a little vague. Like you said, he, he said he wasn't getting on well with his friends. He It sounds like the thing that was really the feather on the camel's back here was the uh, he felt he had messed up at work but the police say he had no fixed address. So he was already 
kind of on the outs of society. On, on a larger scale, what we can see is that there is a dangerous predictor for instability in a population, and it's disaffected young men without community. Right. That's one of the that's one of the big factors that can lead to instability in any society. Uh, This guy clearly, as you said, thought about this uh, for some time. Uh, He was only he's 24. Right. When this occurs. Right. Yeah. So um, what it was on Halloween, by the way. Yeah. We don't know what the. we don't know what the legal decisions will be here. There is one person in critical condition, I think, uh, but so far they've not passed away. That's going to be one of the big, big factors in what happens to him. And <clears throat> if he does get the death penalty, do you guys know how the death penalty works in Japan? It's horrifying. I don't. I'd love yeah. to. I mean, not love to. It's obviously right. crazy stuff, but I, I have no idea, actually. they. So if you get sentenced to the death penalty in Japan, you're on death row. One thing that you will not know is your date of execution. One day, they will just walk in, and they will take you, and they will execute you. Might be what a is year, the, uh, might means be a few of execution. Uh, I believe executions are mainly carried out by hanging in Japan, which is uh, a nasty way to go, of course. But um, but what you know if. If the one person who's in critical condition now actually does expire, then it could become a death penalty case. I mean, it's obviously premeditated. I don't know what kind of mental health arguments could be made, and I don't know how they would fly in the Japanese legal system. You know what I'm saying? I got a question for you. If a guy like this wants to be executed on death row, I mean, obviously he wants to make a big show of it. Um, He's not beholden to hire a lawyer who's going to make a good argument for him, right? You know what? Uh, I don't know. I don't know because I've luckily never been involved with the Japanese legal system in that regard. You see what I'm getting at, though? Yeah. Like if someone really was had it, you know, in their mind they wanted to be executed by the state, couldn't. I mean, again, we know, like here, for example, you could probably torpedo your own case by representing yourself poorly, um, or just you know swearing off your right to an attorney. I'm just interested. I would be interested to know how that works and. Japan, but also it really does speak to this guy's mental state. If he wanted to die so badly, why not just kill himself as opposed to making such a big show of it and then being executed by the state? He obviously has some some kind of delusions of grandeur, some sort of form of megalomania where he needs to be like the center of attention in some way, it seems. Certainly seems that way. Uh, I believe he said maybe in that France 24 article that uh, he wanted to die, but he couldn't do it himself. So he came up with a plan to die. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, just, I'm thinking back particularly to the Halloween thing, that, this, that he carried it out on Halloween when there are multiple people, probably on that train, definitely in the train station, around the train station, that are in costume. He would not, you wouldn't think twice seeing a Joker walking around on Halloween night. And he, he, he chose that day amidst that confusion that's already there to carry out this attack. That, I mean, that alone should lead to whatever he gets, you know, officially charged with and, and how a judge adjudicates that. Yeah, the, uh, the system for deciding the death penalty or uh, a conviction of any sort is pretty fascinating. It's different from what happens in the U.S., 
district courts try these capital cases with a team of like three professional judges and then six citizens, non-judges, chosen at random. Is that like a stand-in for a jury? Uh, It's called the lay judge system. Interesting. So this is a different environment, but I would point out, so I've been to Shinjuku and, you know, you guys are right. It's a big, big place. Uh, It's also not unusual to see people in costume in general. You know what I mean? Like well, that's the district for that, isn't that like the like one of the big districts for like fashion? No, that's Harajuku. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm confusing my Jukus. But still, in Japan in general, I mean, it's like not uncommon to see people cosplay, you know, all over the place. Right. Exactly. Uh, there was when I was there, I saw some people in costume as well. But to your point, Matt, uh, people in Japan are aware of the tradition of Halloween, and I think it's been growing in popularity uh, for a number of years now. It is interesting, um, speaking to his mindset in terms of how he viewed his victims, uh, there is a scene in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie where at a pivotal moment in, you know, whatever his character's name is, Gary Fleck or whatever, um, his transformation into the Joker, he kills some bully type men on a subway train. And that sort of marks his metamorphosis, the beginning of his like metamorphosis into the Joker. Um, So I'm wondering if this guy, I mean, obviously he he had to have some malice towards those who, you know, rejected him or in some way he couldn't like break through and have a connection with Um, the, the reports, you know, from the passengers that were on the train say he just like acted like a robot he had no emotion uh, in, in, in the act as he uh, carried it out. And I saw that he specifically said to the police that it didn't matter who his victims were. He just mm, thought that yeah. if he killed, what, two or more people, he'd be a shoe in for the death penalty. I guess that's right. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that the, the connection between the scene in the Joker and him and the particular type of outfit that he chose to wear. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably overthinking it, but I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, his end game was just to, you know, kill as many people as possible, uh, which thankfully in this type of situation is not as easy as one might think. Uh, one person with a knife, you're not going to have a high kill rate unless you're incredibly precise and know exactly what you're doing. Um, people were able to escape out of windows. Um, you've got accounts from you know commuters that say they barely escaped the train car that he was on, um, but they, they, they thankfully did, and many that, that, that spoke to the press were not injured at all. Uh, and to your point, Ben, about Halloween, that hey, that's my fault, guys. Uh, I'm just looking at the footage of the actual incident, and almost nobody is wearing a costume because they're not celebrating Halloween widely. Sorry about that. that very American-centric there on my part. Oh, no, no. I mean, I think it was from well, about the year 2000. Uh, since then, Halloween has been growing in popularity. So even if people weren't dressed up, they were aware of it. And Shinjuku is a huge place. So like Noel was saying earlier, it isn't unusual to see someone in costume. If you want a really cool, uh, on a very light, on a much lighter note, if you want to, if you want a cool look at how uh, Japan has handled some other Western holidays, uh, look at the KFC and Christmas. It's an amazing story. Stop, still not sure how I feel about it, but KFC is huge for Christmas in Japan. That's right. We did an episode about that on Ridiculous History, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and Matt, you're not wrong. Uh, the, he he had come from a particular district that was very uh, Halloween-y. Um, and also the uh, BBC, or, I'm sorry, the Guardian reporting on it says, quote, 
Witnesses told public broadcaster NHK how petrified passengers had fled to adjoining carriages and jumped out of windows during the attack, which occurred on Sunday when the Japanese capital was full of Halloween revelers, many in costume. So, I mean, the, the footage we have is, is limited. Okay. Aha! We're all right. Vindicated! <laughs> yes, we're all right. Um, but this story is nothing but wrong, and um, it, it's a very sad story. Again, I'm not trying to soapbox here about gun control or anything, but it does show that having some form of gun control does keep these incidents from uh, causing more deaths. You know, um, if this was somebody with a submachine gun, you know, it would have been a much higher fatality rate. So with that, let's take one more pause for a word from our sponsor and then be back with one more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. 
Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we have returned. We're not going to uh, leave you hanging with these grim stories of of crime, of, of depravity and tragedy and, you know, stealing somebody's identity and then stealing their house. Those are two terrible things. Uh, we wanted to end today with something that could maybe not be terrible, but it could also be terrible. Here's, I was thinking about how to get into this story. It amazed me. Uh, you guys know I read pretty widely about weird things like this. Uh, we all know what a sperm whale is. It's the most hilariously named whale, right? Uh, they're if you're a child like we are, which we are. Right, right. It's also uh, a <laughs> sperm whale. Uh, it's, all, it's also a, uh, a credibly intelligent cetacean. Uh, its brain is enormous. Ben, if I could, I just want to say I think it's delightful that you can both giggle about sperm whale, but then also use the very smart word cetacean. Uh, you contain multitudes, my friend. Uh, it's too kind. Uh, that goes for everyone, every one of us and every one of us listening at home. We do contain multitudes. Uh, here's the thing. For a long time, people have been arguing over whether or not animals have something called language. Uh, for a lot of folks in, in academia and in the world of science, Language is almost like one of the last bastions of human exclusivity. The more we have learned about animals over millennia, the more we have learned that they are, in some cases, capable of doing things that we would normally think only people could do. Like animals can make tools. Animals can teach their young knowledge uh, transmitted across generations for a long time. Uh, some my favorite birds, corvids, are an excellent, uh, if at times disturbing example of this and cetaceans as well are incredibly intelligent they have you know you've all heard the idea of like whale communication we've heard of whale songs and you've you've probably gotten a chance to hear some of those online before yeah something like that yeah it's not exactly the newest limp biscuit album but there's definitely a, a structure to it it is just one of those things Wait, one of those days. Dang it. I screwed up the Limp Biscuit reference. Please. We, this were, is we worked on this days. earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's what, that's, that's our Limp Biscuit shout out. We did it, guys. We got there. Uh, so, uh, so sperm whales actually speak in clicks. So they, they make these clicking noises, think almost like Morse code, and they're rhythmic, and they're in these series called codas. And these codas appear to be communication. Now, people who don't believe that animals, non-human animals, I should say, can communicate through language would say, well, they don't have two of the big defining factors of language, which are things like grammar. Uh, that turns out not to be entirely true. Uh, grammar, you know, grammar is the reason that we order words in the way that we order them, regardless of which language you're talking about or at least that goes with most languages. There's this excellent article uh, in The Atlantic by Christoph Drosser and Hakai Magazine, which is about the newest attempt to speak to whales, to speak to cetaceans. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, but before we talk about it, 
I'd like for us all to recall one of the other famous attempts to communicate with cetaceans when people were uh, getting LSD'd up with a dolphin and oh, yeah. then eventually uh, led to, I mean, getting there's no jiggy. other way to say it, led to, led to hand stuff. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Those dolphins are some slippery critters, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, he had a strong put, put him in a, position. Put, put him in a flooded chamber uh, with a with a attractive lady, you know, uh-huh. all hopped up on LSD. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are going to happen. Some low lights, got Sade playing, you know, a bit of mm-hmm. quiet storm. Mm. Where do my hands end and your fins begin? Are they <laughs> fins? They're not fins. Are they? It's a dorsal fin. It's got yeah. a fin okay. on the back. Right. I believe the technical <laughs> term about- is flappadoos. Ah, the flappers. Flappadoos, yeah. Uh, so it's so okay. People know that there is a complex communication pattern in a lot of cetaceans. Does it meet lang- the standards of what people call language? Uh, that's still up for debate in a lot of folks' minds. But now, human civilization may finally have an answer to that question because people are using artificial intelligence and machine learning to figure out whether sperm whales have a language and, if possible, whether humans can speak directly to the whales. This is the aim of something called Project SETI, Cetacean Translation Initiative. You know, it's like SETI with an S, but they're searching for intelligence beneath the waves. Mm, as above okay. so whatever yeah mm. deep 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 below um so obviously lots of members of the animal kingdom you know communicate it's obviously functional you know like oh there's predators over here or we're just trying to you know put out a a, a call to let you know where other members of your you know group might be right um is the sense that there's some sort of uh thinking that there might be more specificity to these whale conversations than just uh pings like a submarine yeah the idea is that they're because they have such high intelligence the idea is that possibly if this program can work out what whales are saying and determines they are saying stuff to each other then it would be possible for humans to maybe speak with them in their own language but this is like um you know Noel. recently i lent you that uh book uh, yes. The story of your life and others and story of your life is the inspiration for that film uh, Arrival. And Arrival is about humans trying to figure out how to speak to something very, very different. So we would be in a situation like this with whales if this program works out. And there's still like it's not 100 percent right now. Uh, you you have our word. There's not somebody at Project SETI discussing you know the the best parts of the ocean with a whale right now right or you know trying to figure out the flappadoo version of a high five but this is much closer to reality than i think a lot of people might assume and in my opinion the reason i wanted to bring this to everybody is i'm surprised it's not getting more coverage and it's an example of something that i think all of us have been looking for for some time which is highly sophisticated machine learning that's not used as a weapon of war. 
So if what it, so I mean yet it, until right. we like put lasers on the whales and figure out how to mind control them, or until if it's a true AI, what if it what if it listens to the whales, it learns their language, and they make some really good points, and it's like nope, the whales are right. Forget you guys. Or we can start to use whales to like you know triangulate positions of of uh, of naval crews, you know, attack squadrons. I'm obviously not a military analyst here, but you know what I mean? Like there would certainly be a way to weaponize this technology. That's how all good science starts. I mean, not all, but like a lot of good science starts with the best of intentions and a purely exploratory kind of thirst for knowledge. And then the moment that it becomes worthwhile to co-opt into a military purpose, uh, that thing will happen. Yeah. Let's also consider that the, the there's still a lot of speed bumps in the way. Uh, first, we have to understand what things are saying. It's not going to do human scientists any good to have a, a bot that for its own sake understands whale language and just talks to the whales and the humans have no idea what they're talking about. Right. Also, that could lead to uh, some sort of mutiny in the world order. But if they can gather huge amounts of data, that alone is not going to be enough. The, the language, the clicking they're making. As a matter of fact, what I'd like to do is uh, have... Alexis, could you play us a sound cue of a sperm whale communicating? Matt, Noel, check this out. Let me know what you think. Super cool. Yeah. Weird. It's like, it sounds like industrial music. <laughs> it's just got like, it very much has this sound of like machinery, like a spoke, you know, clicking or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it's, it's a very um, captivating kind of sound. Like it really does have this science fiction equality to it. Yeah. It's also the, uh, it's also enormously dangerous to humans. Like the decibel wise, the, the vibrations. Yeah. They actually use these buzzes, these clicks, and these squeaks in their hunting activity. So if you were too close, this could have a pretty a pretty rough effect on you as well. But the question again is, is this a language? It sounds so alien. You know what I mean? There are a few human languages that use clicks, uh, but we may be asking ourselves why would why would you focus this machine learning? approach on sperm whales as opposed to some other whales the answer is all in the clicks because those are easier candidly to translate into something quantified zeros and ones click or not click you know got it Makes sense it's almost a numerical language in some ways right it may be but again you know there are a lot of people who think language is just for humans the other big issue is that it's not enough just to relay this language you have to know if you want to see if the whale understands what humans are saying through these computers, then you would have to be able to decode the whale's reaction, right? Which would mean you'd have to know where the whale was when it heard this whale tail. And then you'd have to see, like, did it move differently? You know what I mean? Do whales have the equivalent of laughter? Do they have the equivalent of get the hell out of my yard? You know, what do they have? What's in their what's in their toolbox? I think the thing that a lot of people go back to in these kinds of stories is Coco the gorilla, 
you know, where, but we have to remember too that Coco was taught to communicate with humans. You know, it was, it was a very like, you know, human language forward situation um, where Coco was taught to interact with humans and taught human sign language and, and all of that. Um, so this would be like the reverse and they have no frame of reference for any human concepts, right? It's the same. It was the same deal in, um, in um, Arrival. Right. You had well, to totally if, reframe your thinking about language. Sadly, um, what experiences they do have with human beings are probably not positive ones, unfortunately. Um, there's, there's a funny line that, <laughs> that really got to me. The, the leader of the SETI program said the following. He said, we understand that one of our greatest risks is that the whales could be incredibly boring. <laughs> so like what if what if they're just funny duds there's sticks in the oceanic mud i doubt that's the case um but i think it's humble for them to say it. i said like to leave us with a quote by a guy named michael bronstein he's an israeli computer scientist who is teaching at imperial college london and he's one of the folks who's intimately tied up with project seti and he said something that i would like to I, i'd like to share with you guys he says I think it is very arrogant to think that Homo sapiens is the only intelligent and sentient creature on Earth. If we discover that there is an entire civilization basically under our nose, maybe it will result in some shift in the way that we treat our environment, and maybe it will result in more respect for the living world. Optimistic? I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think the whales are going to say? you. Humans. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't you know, <laughs> correct rapid. Oh, uh, this is this is this is a really dumb uh, thing to bring up. I'm gonna do it anyway because we just finished Halloween. I recently, or the other night, for on Halloween, or maybe it was Halloween Eve, watched the uh, quite terrible Stephen King film adaptation. Uh, he actually directed himself called Maximum Overdrive. Um, That's a brilliant it, piece of art. It's it's something, uh, but it's about you know this alien intelligence that inhabits uh, machines on Earth, and uh, the very first scene is Stephen King in his like you know um, obligatory cameo, um, trying to get some money out of an ATM machine, and the 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 little you know header kind of scroll on the bank says F you, um, and then the. Uh, <laughs> The ATM machine screen says, you are an asshole. And then the first line before the title of the movie comes up is Stephen King goes, Marsha, this machine just called me an asshole. Um, so, you know, machines don't probably have the best uh, opinion of humans either. But um, I, I have a feeling if we could interpret the calls of these whales, that it would probably there would be some knowledge of the, the horrors that we have wrought on the oceans and their yeah. fellow, you know, cetaceans well they have i mean they have they are mammals so they have a lot of the components needed cognitively for language they're matriarchal societies they also their communications dude they have dialects sperm whales have regional dialects and they're not always mutually intelligible um or people you know whales don't respond the same to dissimilar dialects the same way that you might not understand uh, someone who has a very strong regional English accent of some sort or another, you know? I mean, we live in the States and you can drive to a different state and have a hard time understanding people. So there's no reason that whales would be any different. 
I'm excited, but I don't know where it's going to go. I wonder, and this is something I wanted to leave with the rest of us listening along at home. I, I wonder what, what they would say. I wonder how aware they would be. And I wonder what they would want humans to know. I mean, they're, they're familiar with boats. They can be incredibly long-lived. They, they are aware that there's something on the other side of the water. They definitely are. Mm. Um, they probably, maybe they just don't know about continents. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe their entirety of communication is a shared oral history. Maybe they are telling the story of themselves uh, to the dwindling number of sperm whales that remain. And if they have a language, does that mean they could be up for legal personhood? Check out our episode on legal personhood and let us know. Also, I, this is random, but just at the very end, if you could choose one animal, one kind of animal to talk intelligibly, what would it be? Parrot. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, I, think uh, yeah, I don't know. The sea creatures are, are, are very ancient and very wise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like crocodiles or, you know, like creatures that live for a very, very long time. Um, I think that mm. would be interesting. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Something deep, deep, deep sea. I'd be interested in finding yeah. out. Like if they could speak. One of those weird <laughs> angler fish with the lamp on their heads. What, oh, if, what, if we, what if we find out, like we finally, after years of studying what was recorded in the year 2021, that uh, everything uttered by sperm whales, and we find out that they're just humming the weekend or do a Lipa or something. Yeah. And they, they've just become overwhelmed with our pop music scene. <laughs> right. It's a different culture war. Yeah. What if they're stuck in the nineties and they love Jinkos and math rock um, mm-hmm. and they think everything is sick and they say hella a lot. That would be, that would be interesting. I would love to hear from an octopus. Um, I also discovered that, you know, the, the problem with an octopus, which is probably the most alien form of intelligent life we know about on this on this uh, planet so far, problem with is that they have such short lifespans because their reproductive process is so inherently inextricably tied to their demise. But there is a brain surgery you can conduct on a female octopus that will allow it to live longer. So I'd be very interested to hear what they have to say. Uh, I know a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists are going to kill us if we don't mention this. It is quite possible that when we do speak dissertations, they say so long and thanks for all the fish. There you Hitchhikers. go. You, Hitchhikers. You got there. We got, got there. there. Uh, sperm whales, by the way, have a lifespan of 70 years. Yeah. Um, whereas I believe, I mean, they, I know they're, they've been around for a long time. But uh, crocodiles have a much longer lifespan. I think they're like one of the longest living creatures, you know, on the planet, if I'm not mistaken. And the longest living uh, marine mammal is also a whale. It's not a sperm whale, though. It's called the bowhead whale. Uh, We can't wait to hear what you think, folks. Which animal would you want to speak with? Uh, Is there any animal you definitely want to avoid speaking with? What do you think is the uh, future of these real estate crimes and these lone wolf attacks? Let us know. We try to be easy to find online.
You can find us on the internet and the usual social media places of note. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on YouTube at the handle Conspiracy Stuff. You can also find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, you can also find our group. Here's where it gets crazy. Join that thing. So a lot of good fun uh, folks, good fun meme exchanges and conversation. Uh, you'll be glad you did. Yes, and if you leave the social meads unsipped, instead, use your mouth to contact us. You can call our number, one stdwytk You have three minutes. You can leave whatever message you want to. Give yourself a wonderful nickname, whatever it is. We'll take it and, uh, you know, say what you want. But if you can't fit the entire message into three minutes, instead, get your keyboard out, start clacking away, and send us a good old-fashioned email address. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.